Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. You're God alone. Hallelujah. And right now, in the good time and bad, you're still God, and we thank you for it, Lord God. And Lord, as we look into your word today, as we find out, Lord God, what it is you want to say to us, Lord God, how you want us to know you and draw closer to you. I'm asking you, Lord God, to bless every hearer under the sound of my voice. I'm asking you, Lord God, to anoint me, Lord God, to preach what thus saith the Lord, Lord God, that I would stand flat-footed and do your bidding, speak on your behalf, be your spokesperson, Lord, saying nothing that you would not want me to say and saying, everything that you have for each and every one of us. We give you the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Good afternoon, Agape. You may unmute for a little bit. Hallelujah. Good morning. Good, good morning. Well, actually, it's still morning. Good it's still morning. Good morning. To see everyone. And I want to say ditto to the Gentlemen, the leadership today, you're looking mighty snazzy, and we thank the Lord for how, you know how they say, you clean up nice. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know we're on Zoom, and a lot of times we're a little more casual. Not that you don't look nice and you're casual, but it's something about a man in a tie. Amen, ladies. Hallelujah. It is. It is. Something yeah, about yeah, a man with yeah. a press cut. With those points. Amen. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. So we thank the mm -hmm. Lord for that. We thank the Lord for it. And I just want to give my shout outs and honor to um, the presence of the Lord that's in this place for Holy Amen. Spirit, who's walking yeah. about doing yeah. his bidding. And then oh, I want to give God. honor to our pastor today, to yeah. the leadership, especially evangelist Alfred M. Fagans, my husband, my cut <laughs> buddy. My uh, <laughs> supporter, my cheerleader, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Javana went away to camp and she was talking about the fact that she wasn't a flyer. But I thank the Lord for Evangelist Fagans, who is my steady Eddie that allows me to fly. Amen. And unlike right Javana, who said right. that she dropped somebody, he doesn't drop me. Amen. So I thank the Lord. <laughs> thank God. I thank the Lord for that. And I want to give a shout out to the wonderful ladies in the leadership today, to our wonderful Jesus Week coordinators, Lady D and Deacon Tamika, to my right. goddaughter. We missed that beautiful voice and that beautiful face, Deacon came. We're so glad that God brought you back safely. And as, as usual, as expected, not surprised you were doing his work wherever you are, because you bloom wherever you're planted. And we thank the Lord mm. for you. Because you, I heard some things, y'all, and you got to deal bear with me because I'm coming fresh off the playbook. Coming <laughs> fresh off all that Pastor David Bedell has been teaching us from his, his vantage point. And so having said that, and our theme verse being Acts 1-8 NIV, I need to say that I see Deacon Kane as having gone to the uttermost parts of the earth. I All see right. the Dixons, right. if you were here during our pre-service uh, time, talking about their neighbor, walking in Jerusalem. All oh, right. I'm telling All you. All right. All right. I'm sure that there's somebody here that was in all Judea and Samaria. And I'll bet you before this sermon and service is over, that's going to come out. Amen. 
because we are living out Acts 1-8 NIV, and I thank the Lord for it. All right, hallelujah, glory. Let me see if I gave all my shout outs. Is there anybody I missed? Giovanna, Monet, Fagas, I thank the Lord for our engineer and just for how the Lord has really blessed her as she went to her yes, cheer camp. Yes. But y'all that don't know, it wasn't just a cheer camp, y'all. It was a Christian camp for uh, with fellowship of Christian athletes and they had chapel and they had oh. all kinds of singing and praising and your girl oh. let me know she enjoyed herself sharing notes with me y'all so oh. keep, keep those prayers going all right. up all right. tell me about the sermon the service without me asking y'all Hallelujah. I don't know how many of you know, we've said it over and over how the Lord, she told me years ago how the Lord spoke to her out of a picture of Sojourner Truth to take care of those <clears throat> who can't take care of themselves. And there were a couple instances where she jumped in, protected some girls. And then when the guys that were bothering the girls looked at her and said, who you think you are? She looked at them. And, and didn't say anything, just looked at him and said, who do you think you are? And they turned around and they said, mm. oh, man, we ain't going to mess with her. Mm. I just want you to know, what is thank she you doing? Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Go ahead and drop that, Pastor. You got quite some members here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the girls thank were like, you, my name is Abby, <laughs> and my, my name is girl. something else. Right, What's go. your name? That's the girl who helped us. Thank you, Lord. That's my oh, baby. Go ahead, girl. JV. You go All ahead. All right. Thank you. So I just All want right. to thank you for you, Engineer Javon. Please keep her in prayer. She's a senior, y'all. Woohoo! Oh. Hallelujah. So please keep her in prayer. Thank you for your prayers for her. She's our special little Eddie, and uh, we thank the Lord oh. for her. And so I want to give a shout out to our bishop who undergirds everything with prayer and encouragement. Hi, Bishop. Glad to see you today. Mm -hmm. And our mm -hmm. cousin Sandy. Sandy, can you give us a thumbs up on what's going on with your uh, grands after having been in that horrific accident? It's all um, there. It's not all well. Um, she and the other young ladies are still recuperating. And um, I have other family members who have serious issues. So I just ask continued prayer for immediate and extended family members in Buffalo. Thank you. Amen. And you heard that about that. You heard that. Hallelujah. And yes. I'm going to be asking if Bishop will lift that up before our service is over today. Amen. Hallelujah and hallelujah. All right, Agape, I have a couple questions for you. I don't know if you got an opportunity to read the text that Pastor sent out, but there was a big question on there. But before I ask that question officially, which also serves as our title, I just want to remind you that this month, as you heard in the announcements, and we thank you, Deacon Tamika, for those announcements, um, 
we will be going into our church's neighborhood with an outreach event or two. Now, can somebody tell me what's our goal for doing that? What's our goal? What do, what's our uh, outcome? What's our desired outcome after we do it? Anybody, everybody. To form uh, relationships with the neighbors, to um, verb, as we say, showing love, um, to let them know that we are here and that we um, are going to check in from time to time because they are important to us. And evangelism is the ultimate um, goal, but also to, to let them know that we, um, that they have support in some way um, from us, from our, from Agape. But also, hey, oh, I'm sorry. And then there's, well, that's just for us. So I'm not going to go into the other part. Go ahead. Thank you, Deacon Tamika. Anybody want to add to that? We have an ultimate goal for why we're, why we're doing all of that, why we're loving on them, why we're telling them we're there for them. Anybody? Everybody. Anybody? Amen. Amen. Um, I just, I just feel like, you know, um, once upon, uh, once we establish the, the relationship with, with people, it's, it, the ultimate goal is reestablishing the precedent of the, of the church in, in our, um, in our community and letting people know that God has never left. He's still here. And, um, and he wants, he cares and he wants to change people's lives and, um, and, um, for them to have hope and for them to, to see the church as being um, very uh, essential part of their life. They need it, you know, not just it's a, a optional thing to do on Sunday, but it's something, a, a relational building thing that they all can have. So uh, I just think the ultimate goal would be um, just setting, reestablishing re the precedent of, of, of God Almighty uh, at the church in, in the community of 19132, right? That's it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. So that that's how I see it. But I'm quite sure it's, it's many facets of what we are trying to establish. So um Amen. Amen. Thank you, D. Anybody else? Um Pastor, I would just like go ahead, Lady D. Okay. I would just like to add um that one of the things that I think about is for this whole thing is to show the love of Christ, show him, show them that we have love for Christ and that they too can have a love for Christ, but more so that he loves them. He loves them and he cares about them. He's, he, as Deacon, Deacon uh, Dixon said, the hope, he is the hope to let them know that Jesus loves you. I mean, we sing it as kids, Jesus loves me, this I know, but many people don't know that. And so that's one of the things that um, I'm hoping that we can demonstrate the love of Jesus. Anybody else? All right. Pastor G, I was going to say what the model is, is saturation for transformation. Yes. Going out. Everything, what everyone said, but the hope as we spread the love of Christ, as we verb on them, as we let them know the church is there for them, but not the church necessary building, but the people who attend there, these, this local body being image bearers for Christ with um, faith believing that people's lives 
<clears throat> excuse me, who are in the dark, people use the term in a dark place, we bring the light so that they can now know how to be in a light place. Interesting, you would bring it up as I've been saying this weekend, July the 4th, we celebrate our independence. We've been set, we were free from what British rule. We've been set free. And that's our message. And let them know they can have this life. The kingdom of heaven on earth now. That's what we do to help them show them. And to not just say it one time, but as everyone else said, develop and cultivate an ongoing relationship. There you go, Pastor G. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Everything I say ditto to what Pastor said about everything everyone said, it dovetails. If there were a puzzle or picture that I could paint, all of that would be in there. But Agape, one of the things we didn't say, because sometimes we, we, we're so ingrained on what the ultimate goal is when you think about our church model, where we, what do we do? Where we grow, 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 and go. Grow what are we going go. for? We are going just like X, our X uh, theme verse from the playbook is our ultimate goal is to win souls for Christ, that they would be born again, that they would not go to a, a Christless eternity, that they would not end up in hell. For truly the Bible does say that is where all unbelievers will go. And our job doing all the loving and all is to draw them. Amen. And I'm going, I ask a question, but before I do, let me see, how can I ask this? We want to rescue people from eternal damnation. We want to bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So my question, and you already answered it, would have been, how do we go about it? And apart from everything you said, is there anything else that you might want to say about how we go about it? Because you sort of answered that already through loving them, through creating a relationship with them, for being a presence with them through our church. You said a lot of things that would help us to help bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But there are some steps. Has anybody ever heard of the four spiritual laws? Anybody? Yes. Four spiritual laws. The four spiritual laws was created by a college campus ministry that's worldwide called Campus Crusade for Christ. They're not called that now. I forgot they're called crew now, I think. And they have actual what they call spiritual laws that they created. And law one is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And law two is man is sinful and separated from God. Thus, he cannot know and experience God's love and plan for his life. So it's letting them know you a sinner. And then Law three is, let me see, what is law three? Let me see if I have law three. Oh, the, the Messiah is God, and he's his only provision for man's sin. And through him, you can know God's love and plan for your life. You can only know his plan through God. And then law four is we must receive Messiah Jesus as Savior and Lord by personal invitation. Messiah must be received by personal faith. And then there are a whole lot of steps and scriptures in each of those laws. And that's how they would go out, these campus crusade people. I had the uh, privilege one, one time, one incident of 
preaching to, they have a little sermon before they go out. Uh, and they have a speaker come in and talk to them. And I was one of them. I was at one at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, no, at Drexel University. And I shared my little whatever it was I had to share. And they were like, okay, let's go out. They were hungry to go out. And let's just go win souls for Christ using our four spiritual laws. And Agape, I have to say, growing up, learning about evangelism, that's basically give or take. Like I didn't study four spiritual laws, how I felt it should go. Let's go and tell people that they're lost and they need a savior. That's the job. That's our job. And so that's how I felt. I felt that the way to win souls and we had personal evangelism at uh, Maine Bible Institute. And there were many ways you could reach people. One was through, through sharing God's love. And, and it even said from the Bible, snatch them out as by the fire, as by fear, snatch them out of the fire by inciting fear. And I have to say, that's sort of how I got saved when I was six years old. Um, my mother was telling me all about how Jesus loved me and died on the cross. But then she said, and if you don't accept him, you're going to go to hell. What do you want to go to heaven or hell? I said, I want to go to heaven. So I accepted Christ. Um, and so it led me to, to think, this is how we win souls for Christ. This is how we're going to transform Philadelphia. This is how we're going to do it. We need to get out there and let people know and point out how God says their behavior is sin. And so I'm going to set you up before I tell you what my title is and what uh, was on that, but you already know it if you read your text. I'm going to set you up a little bit. And that is that what Paul did. Paul sets up the Romans. So if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Romans, and I'm asking if you'll start we're going to start in Romans chapter one, but we're really going to go into Romans chapter two a little bit also. And so turn with me to your Bible, in your Bibles, to those. And I'm going to tell you while you're turning that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Romans. Now, when we start reading about this, it's going to sound a lot like, he wrote it about Philadelphia in particular. But I want you to know that he was writing to a city that he wanted to come to in person. Rome was sort of like what you would call, I want to call it a melting pot. It was a lot of different people, but mostly Gentiles. But there were Christian Jews, Christian Gentiles in Rome, and they did not have a church structure, Deacon Dixon. They did not have like a church and church governance. What they had, Pastor, was sort of like house churches here and there, and everybody that was a part of that group, had their own way of doing things. Yes, they all believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They all believed in um, him and, and, and that Jesus was the Messiah that had come and had risen again. They believed all of those things. They had those things in common. In fact, I believe that it was in Rome or actually in the city of Athens where you got the title of the of Christians there in the way. But But they had no... 
pastoral leadership, if you will, that kind of set things in place. And Paul wrote a letter to them because there were things going on there. And he was trying to let his letter get there before Christian Jews came. Some of the Jews that were no doubt under Peter in Acts, that when he told them about what they did and they and all those people got saved. Remember that if you've been reading the book of Acts and they were trying to Judaize the, the Gentiles. What do I mean by that? Make them under Jewish law, even though they were saved, even though they believed in Jesus, they had to get circumcised. They had to do the things that Jews do. In other words, they could be a Christian, but they had to be a Christian on the Jews terms. Anybody ever kind of think you like that? A little bit, maybe not Judaizer. Well, let's just look at what Paul sets up. He writes a letter to the Romans, to those churches in Rome. He couldn't get there, but he wrote them a letter because there was some stuff going on and he needed to set it straight. And so as we're reading, you can follow along with your eyes and hear my voice. I'm just going to set it up for you a little bit. And it starts in Romans chapter one, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. Think about Philadelphia, who suppress the truth with their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, you know, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. He's talking about creation, Deacon Dixon, who loves nature, Lady uh, Deacon T, who loves nature. He's talking about the fact that God made it plain through Amen. nature so that nobody's without excuse. 20, uh, 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Talking about the universe, y'all. You know, the universe is out there that helps us do things. We got a, a, the universe. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God images for images made to look like a mortal human being in birds and animals and reptiles. We're talking about all of the false gods that people worship, all the idols. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Anybody know what that's all about, Philadelphia, in this, in, in this, in this city? They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. The, the universe. I worship the universe. The universe is out there and it's this form that helps me in my life to do things. Anybody ever hear somebody say the universe is against me? The universe. Let's keep my fingers crossed because the universe that's the creation. Because, and this is back in the Bible days, y'all, so nothing's new under the sun. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. What month is this? 
Just asking. What are we celebrating this month? July. Just got just got out of it. June Pride Month. June. What month? July. What about Noah's sign? What was that? Last month. What did that represent? Did it represent Noah and God's promise that he would not destroy <laughs> the earth by water? Just asking. And in verse 27, in the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Nobody wants to mention HIV, so I won't. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a what? Depraved mind, so that they do what ought not be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. Do you see Philadelphia in this? Card, card nappings, and now people attacking and abducting you at ATMs, shooting police, no regard for authority, robbing students right there at Temple. Drive-bys, you're sitting there and you don't even know why you got shot. They are gossips, uh-oh, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. Now that we have our whole technology going, our electronics, our AI going, people are finding ways to hack into our systems and take our identity, our money, they are inventing ways to do evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy, no regard for human life, y'all. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Hello. Hello. And the thing about it I want to ask you to think about is, do you see your name on any of that? Oh, no, no, no. We're not doing those overt sins. But what about the words gossips, arrogant, boastful? Do we ever find ourselves in that camp? And so... I am sure that when the Gentiles read all of this, they were nodding their head. Yup, yup. Agape, I stopped by to tell you we're about to go into a, an area where a lot of this is going to be. And so what will our response be? Is it to be, you shouldn't be doing those things. That's sin. Let me show you in the book of Romans what God says about those things, how he gave you over. You need to be set free. You, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. That is our intention. Amen. But look, let's keep going. Paul says in, in chapter two, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge the another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. What you talking about, Brother Paul? If I pass judgment on a person that's 
a same-sex lover, how am I doing the same thing? Because God says that judgment, judging another, not the sin, but judging that person is just as bad as doing that thing that they're doing. He, he was telling those that to the Christians in Rome, to the Gentiles and the Judaizers and the Jewish Christians in Rome. Because while they were in their different little, I'm going to call it covens, but not their little groups, they were deciding as they wanted to live for the Lord that those people who did those other things needed to be corrected. They needed to be told because their ultimate goal, Agape, was to bring about a word that we didn't mention yet that brings me to our title. What brings about repentance? Is it the telling and showing a person the error of their ways and then helping them to see as best we can, knowing that the Holy Spirit makes the change. Look, what you're doing is sin. This is what the Bible says. And so my word is, my question is, does conviction, if you bring about a conviction in somebody's heart, is that what brings about repentance? If we bring conviction, anybody want to weigh in on that? If we can help bring about conviction, then we can help that person. Maybe we need to think about what is repentance. What is repentance? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> repentance is being remorseful for your sin, for something you've done that's wrong. Repentance is being, uh, what's the other word I want to use? Um, sorrowful. In fact, the mighty Google says that repentance has a five-step conversation. Confession, acknowledge you are wrong, express regret. That's the word, regret. Commit to change and ask forgiveness. In other words, forget. you have to ask God to forgive you. You have to accept the fact that I, am, I was wrong. You have to accept the fact that I, I need to make a change. And you have to ask God to help you to make a change. That's what brings about repentance, conviction, conviction that you're wrong. How many of you agree with me on that? Nobody? Everybody. Pastor, you agree? Anybody else? I, I, I agree that conviction is a part of the process. Yeah, anybody else? Thank you, Lady D. You're welcome. Some people are being quiet. I hope you're there. Well, let's we're read on. I agree. Yes, I agree. Pastor G? Yes? I do want to say, though, you asked a question about do we bring the conviction? And I'm going to answer that. No, we don't bring the conviction. We bring ourselves, but we don't do the conviction. It's so the what are we Spirit. telling them that would bring about conviction, Pastor? We would tell them about what God has done. We tell them um, how they can be, um, have light in their life. We would develop relationship, but it's the Holy Spirit that has to bring the conviction. Yeah. Right. Like we said, I said that. I said, we know the Holy Spirit makes a change, but what brings about getting them to that point? That's what I'm sorry if I didn't articulate it. But yes, we know the Holy Spirit is the ultimate one. Well, let's just keep reading. Anybody want to add anything before we keep reading? Uh, um, I just have a question. Oh, I'll ask that later. But I, I think conviction definitely it's a person has to be aware of what they're doing. And sometimes people are not even aware. 
this is not what God, this is not the best plan that God has for you. Right. So, so you know, witnessing like we're going to do and make them aware that there's a better plan for their life. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. And that's part of the four spiritual laws, isn't it? Yes. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. It's one many souls to Christ. Verse two. But Pastor G, yes. I always go with this one. And I've been saying it for a while. One of the things I've been looking at as I look at the life of Jesus when he ministered on the earth, uh, sometimes he told the folks, you know, um, repent <laughs> and sin no more. <clears throat> but most times he just developed the relationship. And because of who he was, people changed. He didn't have Amen. anything. They just changed. Mm. But he cultivated a relationship. <clears throat> Even the woman at the well, he just had a conversation. Just had a conversation. Amen, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. Often say you, you, you were in sin. You, you, you were married five times. You know, you know that exactly. Not, he did. Amen. He just had a conversation. He had a Jesus had a conversation, and a lot of times we, as God's followers, Jesus's followers, and God's followers, God the Father, God the Son. We uh we're like we're sort of well we're his followers. We feel we have to bring them to Jesus by pointing that out and letting Jesus do the loving. But let's just keep reading, if you will, verse two of chapter two. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such thing is based on truth, the truth of Jesus. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things. Do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or mm. do you show contempt for the riches mm. of his kindness, forbearance, patience? And then are you ready, Agape? Not realizing that God's kindness <laughs> is intended to lead you to repentance. Mm. I ask the question, wow. what brings about repentance? It is the goodness of God. I don't know about you, Agape. But I did not realize that it is God's kindness and it is God's good in the mm. King James version of this. And I'm going to ask our professor to find that in the King James version. Would you please find Romans two verse four? I would like to hear it in the KJV. And as he's turning to it, what brings about repentance? It is the goodness of God. What is goodness? Forbearance. <laughs> A holding back. That's what it is. The goodness of God, I always thought in his kindness, was um, just things that sometimes we feel we deserve because we've been so faithful and we love him and we're his children and so forth. But did you know that the forbearance of God, the holding back, is that is why it seems like unsaved people are prospering in their way. I believe David put it this way. Why do the unrighteous hmm. prosper, the wicked prosper? Did you know hmm. it's because God is so loving and he is so good and he is hmm. forbearing and he is holding back because he does not want them to be lost. And so he hmm. gave us that would sit in judgment and I'm not condemning anybody at Agape. I'm talking in the generic us. He gave us that was sit in judgment, much like the Judaizers telling the Gentiles, this is what you got to be to really be a Christian. You got to get, uh, you got to follow Jewish law because 
we were God's chosen people. A lot of times when we've been saved and we've been going to church and we've been worshiping the Lord mm. and we've been living and putting things out of our life, we forget that it is the goodness of God that causes well. us to repent. Amen. When you think about the things you're doing, secret sins, sins you keep doing over and over and you really are asking the Lord to, to please take this from me, lift this from me, help me to stop doing it, help me to stop losing my temper, help me to stop cursing people out, help me to stop with secret sin, Lord, looking at something I shouldn't, looking at someone I shouldn't, saying things, gossiping, repeating matters, causing dissension, needing like a being an attention seeker. So saying whatever needs to be said, having so much pride that I got to lie about what's going on with me because yeah. I don't want people to know. And yet I'm God's child. When we think about the things that we do, but at least I don't smoke. I don't curse. I don't get mm. high. I stay away from CBD. I don't, I, um, I am um, straight up like in the opposite sex, I don't, um, you know, I will give an older person my seat on the bus. I will stop at stop signs. I will shake my head and nod when other people zoom past me. So I'm good. Mm. I'm mm. good. No, let me tell you, it's God's goodness that would bring us to a repentance. Amen. Not our self-righteousness. Amen. What does it Amen. say? Uh, Deacon Dixon, do you have it in the KJ? Yes. Which yes, you read it? it says uh, Romans 2, 4. Yes. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The mm. goodness of God. What leads us to repentance? Mm. The, goodness the goodness of, of God. God. Because it is the goodness of God, the forbearing, the, the holding back. As we stop to think about it, as we start looking at our own lives as Christians that lead Christians to repentance, that will leave others, is sharing about the goodness of God. As we start looking at what we have instead of what we don't have, as we start mm -hmm. looking at what God has done for us and start looking at that, it makes us, and you can ask, you can, you can, you can, I want you to say amen. I want you, each of you to think about your personal life and the things you wish would change in your life that you know is sin. It could be a small thing like, I don't know, procrastination or, or, or I don't know. You know what your sin is. What is it that brings you to repentance? Is it browbeating yourself, beating yourself up? Does that make you no. stop doing it? When we think yeah. about, I, I just, Lord, I, <laughs> here I am again. Forgive me. Pride sometimes makes us get tired of asking the Lord. Amen. Amen. Did you know that he keeps heaping on blessings? Now I understand, Pastor, what the Bible means. And I'm using Pastor Churn for a reason when he says, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. And you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Now I understand because it is that goodness that brings about the repentance. Pastor Churn often says in his own life, when he was working, there were people, a uh, designated person that didn't like him. And every day, no matter how cruel, rude, or, or snarky that person was to him, he brought him a coffee, found out what the favorite was. Before it was all said and done, that person became a friend. It became his footstool. Amen? Did Amen. you know that when we look in the Bible, we want God's goodness to be the thing that brings about repentance first in us and in others. As we walk down the streets, as we do a prayer walk around, around the agape perimeter, it's more than just saying, here we are. We are agape. And yes, we're still in business, which is 
they look at that as a beacon hope. But you're going to be walking into an area with all those things that we just read in chapter one. Somewhere in there, you're going to find people that are in all of that, that especially in that area that is steeped in a different faith, Islam. Mm. And yet, God said it's his goodness, forbearance, that's going to draw them to repentance. Not showing them that Jesus is better than Jesus is better than uh, Allah. Or, or who, um, not Allah, Mohammed. That, that, yes, I'm not saying that can't be a conversation. What I'm saying is, according to our scripture, according to our apostle Paul, what's going to draw them? Don't you know? We, we, we oversight the fact that it's the goodness of God that will lead people to repentance. What is repentance? Being sorry for your sin. And recognizing the goodness of God. And how can we think about what are some things we can think about that would be the goodness of God? Well, the way that God blessed each and every one of us. He saved us. He chose us. That's the goodness of God, y'all. The fact that he woke us up. That's the goodness of God, y'all. The fact that he's given us another chance to get it right. That's the goodness of God. And while we would think all evil people need to get shot and killed and go on their way so that we could have a peaceful world. Did you know God loves them? And he loved us enough to send us to them to tell them about his goodness. So what is our goal when we go out to uh, our Jesus Week events? We want to tell them about the goodness of God. We want to pour it on so, so thick, not about just who we are, but we want to pour it on so thick about who God is that they can only see him. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There are some people that are so hard-headed, and even in Christendom, that though God will draw you by his goodness, but some have been driven out. Amen? When we think about Cain and Abel, God drove Cain out because of the he, he murdered his brother, and there was no remorse with that. There was no changing of his behavior. I remember a lady put it this way. She said, what is uh, being, re being re repenting? Go the other way. If you're going one way and you're repenting, mm -hmm. go the other way. Do the opposite. Repent. Mm -hmm. don't, don't even go that way. But he had to be driven out. You know that Judas Iscariot, he, had, he drove his remorse and his anguish, drove him out from amongst the rest of the disciples to a quite, well, I believe, to a Christless eternity. For all I know, he didn't go to a Christless eternity, but I say that he did. He was driven out. However, God is, is not in the, in the habit in the New Testament of driving you away. God is in the habit of drawing you. You want to know why those Israelites walked around? For, for 40 years in the desert, yet even in their punishment, their consequence for disbelief that they could not go into the promised land. Did you know that their shoes never wore out? That nobody died? You don't find um, in archaeology a whole lot of skeletons. This must have been where the wilderness was. No. Those people all died naturally. God still took care of them, the goodness of God. He loves us so much. In the Old Testament, you could live to be, what, 100, 200? Pastor, you have to tell someone 900 years old because God did not let anybody die. 
the goodness of God. He, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. And so while we're looking for him to come back, did you know that in Jeremiah, in, in Psalm 100 verse 5, God, it says, for God is good, his mercy endures forever, and he is faithful to all generations. His mercy endures. He does not want anyone to die. So his goodness is what draws them. Ezekiel 33, 11, God told his prophet Ezekiel, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And you know, Agape, we need to look at ourselves as we are going out to love and to verb, as you said, Deacon T, you use that term, amen, we, to verb on these people. I don't know about you, but sometimes people's actions make me feel like I hate them. And some people have been so cruel and mean that you, you might feel like, why don't they just die and get it over with? But God says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, no matter how wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. We want to remember that as we're going out. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And that's why Paul had to say, you're no better than they are. That's what he was saying to the Romans. First, he sets them up. Everybody's agreeing. Yeah, all of this wickedness going on here. You right, Brother Paul. And then he said, you don't get to judge them because you're just as guilty. Don't you realize that it's God's mercy, his forbearance, that is drawing us to a change of attitude, a change of behavior? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Ezekiel after God said, again, he said, I have no pleasure that the wicked should die, said the Lord. He said, perish by sword, famine, or pestilence, or go into captivity. This though the, is though the Lord's will and work. Yet this is his strange work because mercy is his delight. In the Old Testament, there were some that died by the sword, some that died because of a famine, some that died because of pestilence. But some went into captivity. As you know, they were in captivity a lot, y'all, in, in the Old Testament because of their disobedience. But the Lord said, that's strange work. That's not what I want my name on. How many of us have strange work? We know that that's not who we are. Or are we? Is that our familiar work? Hallelujah. God says, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to to his mercy that he saved us. That's Titus 3, 5, y'all. Now I want to just compare something to you when we talk about bringing about a repentance. There's an example when Jesus saw Zacchaeus in the tree. All he said to Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector and robbing his fellow people blind was, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. Pastor, you said it best. Jesus won souls by befriending them. When he did have to tell the Pharisees off about their self-righteousness and said, your whitest sepulchers full of dead men's bones, they, they wanted to kill him. How dare you talk about the leadership of the Jews like that? But Jesus, and they did not repent. They did not come to, oh, okay, then we're whitest, okay. No. But G the masses that followed Jesus 
he did loving acts. When God sent Jesus to the earth, not only did he send him to the earth to make sure people knew he was the son of God before he died on the cross, but he also drew many people with his, he can't help it, it's his nature. I'm reminded of Bishop. I feel like watching her every day and talking to her, it's her nature to love on you. It's her nature. She can be mad as fire about something, but if you knock on her door, you're going to get love. You're going to get love. She cares about you. Amen, Agape? Bishop is Amen. just one example of how Jesus just loved on the people. Jesus verbed on them, Deacon T. He told Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to your house. And Zacchaeus did what? Repented. He turned and was sorry and changed his baby. I'm going to give everybody everything. In fact, I'm going to give them double. Jesus didn't say, now let's talk about your practices. Jesus said nothing but Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to your house. That's all he said. Because that is God's mercy, God's kindness, God's goodness in action, bringing about repentance. Jesus and Zacchaeus. And then as he's, and, and Pastor already mentioned about the woman at the well. Again, all Jesus said to her, because she was saying, telling him off about men or whatever she was doing, and he answered his question, when he said, go call your husband. I don't have a husband. Well, no, that's true. You have this many. He wasn't saying, so tell me about that. How did that come about? He didn't sit down, cross his legs and say, mm-hmm, got you now, don't I? No, he just made a statement. Oh, come and see a man who told me everything. She confessed to people and owned up to, he told me everything about me. You know, I got all those men. You know, I didn't have a husband. You know, I was living with someone, someone. He wasn't my husband. You all know about that, right? But let me tell you about Jesus. The goodness of Jesus. I want to I stop by to remind you today what brings about repentance. It is the goodness of God. I went all around Robin Hood's barn to land right here on Romans chapter two and verse four. Because I tell you what, Agape, your preacher of the hour did not realize that it is the goodness of God. That brings about repentance. Your preacher of the hour felt it was what we had to do to compel them. It was what we had to say to compel them to bring about it. And yes, part of that was saying God loves you and he has a plan for your life. Yes, that was part of it. But did you know that everything going on in their life that we can help them to see, we can paint a picture for them about how God wakes them up every morning, how he provides for them, how we have all these different programs that allow them to get food. That's God, y'all. Him forbearing. There are people that he has put stuff in that would have the idea that we can get so much food. Sister Lynn, who's not here, I understand she has some kind of a food She's bank. She's here. She's here. Sister Lynn, a food bank. That's, that's, that's the goodness of God. God has ways of setting up that we can remind people. 
God. It's the goodness of God that keeps us. It's the goodness of God that's going to draw us. It's the goodness of God in our life. When we think about how many times God has forgiven us as Christians for our, our sins, for our judging, for all the things Hallelujah. we do, Hallelujah. God still blesses us for our not giving, but yet we're still financially blessed. You know, we, we are told, you know, if you tithe, God really will bless you. But do you know when you don't tithe, God doesn't pull his hand back. He's still, still good and holding up for you to do the right thing still holding up still blessing you still even when those of us that are in pain did you know that that's still the goodness of god forbearing because it could be worse not only that but he's showing us i made you i got nerves in there that's letting you know something's wrong i got nerves in there that's letting you know things are still working on the inside one of the things i used to tell javana <clears throat> when i would give her cough medicine that she did not like, and she would cough. I said, all that coughing and sneezing is because those antibodies are fighting those germs and you are getting the fallout. Well, that's what it is when God is working inside of us. We're, we're feeling the effects of the fallout, but he's about to work agape because it is the goodness of God that's going to bring about repentance. And I'm telling you that because as we walk, through the corridors, if you will, of Allegheny Avenue and 15th Street and however far we're going in the zip code of 19132, please remember it is the goodness of God that you want to share with the people and help them to see the goodness in their life. Some people, it looks like there is no goodness. The goodness is in the needle, but I stop by to tell you the fact that God is drawing them with his love and his kindness. Don't forget our ultimate goal is to bring about not only uh, hope that we're here to help you, but to bring about a repentance on the lifestyle that would keep them from Jesus Christ. Amen. God says in Romans chapter three, and, and I just want to share this with you. In Romans chapter three, verse 25. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. That is believing something you did not give eyewitness to. Why did he do it? He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance or his goodness, y'all, because now we know that's what that word is, the holding back in his forbearance. He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. He justifies us, y'all. He justifies us. And so we bless the name of the Lord because of the forbearance of God before because of the kindness of God, we can bring about a repentance, be sorry for our sin, change our behavior, make a quality decision, and then focus on the goodness of God. Focus on what he's doing, looking at things out of a different perspective than woe is me. Looking at things out of a different perspective of how am I going to get out of this? But looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, 
and despised the cross. He despised it, but for the joy set before him, he endured it for us. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, for bringing to light the truth that it is your goodness that would draw us. And I'm asking you, Lord, that something that was said today would permeate the heart of those who may have felt a different way about who you are and what you're doing. And what I thank you for the most, Lord God, is that you're making it, you're setting the record straight. That is why the wicked get to live longer than a lot of saints, because you are in your goodness and in your forbearance, you are giving them an opportunity because it is not your will that the wicked perish. You have no pleasure in the wicked perishing. And so you too, Lord God, are disappointed every time there's a gangbanger that did not give his life to Christ. And so we ask you to give us that mindset and that we would have that burden to go and win souls for you in Jesus name. Amen.